Well, good afternoon. I'm Rick Dancer. Welcome to Get Real with Rick Dancer. And tonight we have a double header. So we are going to talk bicycle safety. And this is always a hot topic for people <laughs> because if you're anywhere in Eugene or Springfield and you ride a bike um, or you drive a car, there's a little bit of a battle that goes on between motorists and and cyclists and we want to help ease some of that a little bit a friend of mine walked up to me one day at full city coffee and she said you need to do a show on bike safety and i call i put put a notice out to eugene Velo, a bike page in eugene and found this man uh shane rhodes and shane welcome thanks for being here hey sorry yeah i'm glad to be here sorry i was working on getting those links up yeah good to be here thanks for having me so Shane, tell people what you do and who you are. So I'm the transportation options coordinator at the city of Eugene. So I do a lot of the um, bike and pedestrian active transportation programming. So I help with Sunday streets, smart trips, uh, all sorts of programs within the city to help people uh, feel safe walking, biking, taking transit, uh, using active modes of transportation. So we do that through infrastructure and non-infrastructure programmatic pieces. Um, and so I do that with the city and I'm also a league cycling instructor coach. And so I'm an LCI uh, who trains other LCIs uh, throughout the Northwest um, through the League of American Bicyclists. Okay, real quick, I'm gonna run something real fast here because we gotta thank our sponsor, Cobra Road Car Wash. Well, hello, Renee. You're sponsoring the show tonight, so I thought I'd get some video going through the car wash. Is that okay? Absolutely. And it's a great day for a car wash. I'm so glad you're here. It's never it's a bad day. never a bad day for a car wash. That is right. As you can see, everyone's coming. Watch the show tonight. I will. What time? Five o'clock. Five o'clock, right. Yeah, we're going to have a heck of a time. I'm off here in a couple minutes. I will tune in at five o'clock. So that's Renee and the gang down at Coburg Road Car Wash. We could not do this without our sponsor. So if you guys need to wash your car, which you probably do, please go to them, tell them you saw it on Get Real with Rick Dancer, and we get lots of lots of credit for that. <laughs> and a free car wash. So Shane, let's talk about bikes. Um, biggest mistakes people make that, that that they don't understand about bike riding. Well, and I think, you know, one of the things I want to, you know, kick off with is that, you know, what I like to think, uh, what I want us to focus on is, you know, using people first language. So, you know, people riding bikes, people driving cars, we're all people out on the road, no matter how you're getting around, you know, it's good to focus on the people and not the mode of transport. So everyone does stupid things out there. Everyone makes mistakes, you know, so I want to kick us off by not like placing blame here that we're all, you know, users of the roadway. So whether you're a, drive, a person who drives or a person who bikes or you do it all, um, you know, let's, let's remember that um, and let's have respect for each other out there. So, you know, for people who are riding bikes, remember to, you know, obey the rules of the road that, you know, bikes are vehicles. And so bikes have the same rights and responsibilities. People riding bikes have the same uh, rights and responsibilities as people driving cars. There are slight differences of some rules, like Oregon has this new uh, stop as yield law where um, people on bikes can treat stop signs as yield signs and if it's uh, they come to a stop sign and there's no other person who has a right-of-way uh, pedestrian or a person in a car then they can roll through um, without coming to a complete stop um, but beyond that law most other laws are the same for people riding bikes so you have to go in the direction of traffic 
follow the the you know signs and the you know stoplights and uh, even the speed limit signs. So even if you know if you're going in a neighborhood street uh, downhill, uh, like I was on my way here, you know it's still 20 mile an hour. Even even if you can clock in at 30 going down that hill. Uh, so all those rules still apply to people on bikes um, as, as well as you know people driving. So I think that you know some of the main mistakes people make when they uh, are are riding a bike is uh, not uh, yielding or stopping when they need to. And um, you know one of the big way crashes that we see are um, people who are riding the wrong way. You know because if you're going the wrong way down the street, people driving are going to be looking the other way for car traffic and right. not see you coming. And you know, there are certain places in Eugene where there is two-way bike traffic and only one-way car traffic. And so people driving have to be extra careful too, because they may think they come up to a street and see it as a one-way car street, but it's a two-way uh, bike street, Alder, 13, um, as some examples. Motorcycles and yield, they, they don't get to, do they get to do that too? Nope. No, that's nope. strictly a human-powered uh, and e-bike uh, uh, law, the stop is yield ODOT law. And really, this is for safety for people because you and I were talking before this is I've seen people, especially on one way streets, um, trying to get somewhere faster. So they're going the opposite way and the arrows pointing at them. <laughs> and, right. and they're going, if the arrow is pointing your way, that means you're going the wrong direction and you can get killed. <laughs> yep. Yeah. We call that uh, salmoning. It is tough when you have a green light and a bicycle blows the light as you are going on the green light. Very frustrating when you're driving a large pickup. Yeah. Yeah, I agree, though. I also got to note uh, Steve's uh, comment there before. I just buzzed them. Uh, illegal. Uh, you have to give uh, people who are riding bikes uh, safe passing distance. The law in Oregon is that if you're on a street and um, there are no bike lanes and the street is greater than 35 miles an hour, you have to give uh, enough distance between you and the person riding the bike, uh, enough space so that if they fell over, that they wouldn't be run over. Um, and so, um, you know, being respectful out on the road is important. Um, and and so, that goes, so that goes for people driving as well as for people riding bikes. What about riding on curbs on the sidewalks? I think that's, I, I, is that legal or is it not legal? I, I don't know. Cause I figure like, good God, we've got bike lanes. Why do people ride the sidewalks? Cause it's when I'm walking on them, it feels dangerous to me. Yeah. Um, in Oregon, uh, it depends on the jurisdiction. And so in Eugene, riding a bike on the sidewalk is legal, except for in certain areas around downtown and campus. Um, everywhere else, it is legal to ride on the sidewalk. Um, but when we teach bike safety education classes, including uh, bike safety education classes that kids receive in schools or our adult bike safety education classes that we do, um, we recommend that people don't ride on sidewalks because sidewalks were engineered for people walking. And if you feel like you do have to ride on the sidewalk, because sometimes people do, right? Like it doesn't feel safe, you know, before uh, well, South Willamette Street had bike lanes. It was four lanes for cars, and the only place it felt safe to ride was on the sidewalk, right? And there's still places like that, Sixth and Seventh Avenue. You not want to ride a bike on the uh, in the car lane. You could legally, um, but it wouldn't feel very comfortable. And so people will ride on the sidewalk. So what we recommended is if people feel like they need to ride on the sidewalk to feel comfortable and safe, that they ride with traffic, so in the same direction, not against traffic and that they ride at a uh, near walking or jogging speed so they're more predictable. Um, and then you have to you know, yield to pedestrians always that if you're riding a bike, you can be on the sidewalk 
uh, unless it's illegal in the downtown area, but just, you know, ride respectfully and um, yield to the pedestrians. And yeah, that's a good, I, that's a good place to go to here, Shane. Is, and can, know, we, can we take that comment down right there about running a red light? We can, it's okay to, because uh, it's not okay uh, to no. ever hit someone, um, even if they run a red light. Um, it's your responsibility as a driver to watch before you go through a light. Um, and yes, it might be illegal what they're doing, but we don't want to encourage people to hit other people. So Shane, the other thing that um, it would be great to address is that motorists, um, you were talking earlier, now I'm losing my train of thought. What were you talking about right before we went to this? Um, so riding on sidewalks is what and, we were talking about. And I think motorists need to be really careful when they're watching people come up to crosswalks and that kind of thing too. And at, at when they're coming out of intersections, like out of parking garages and parking lots, because I think sometimes it's hard to see a bike. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, I think um, one of the things that's uh, important to remember is that it's, you know, not only people on bikes, but when you pull out of a, a garage or, a, you know, a parking lot, um, an alleyway, that when you first come to a sidewalk, that you have to stop before that sidewalk and look for the pedestrians, right? People in wheelchairs, people um, walking. And then once you stop there, then you can pull forward to see if you can see, for, look for cars and people that are in roadway um so talk to me about bike paths too because i see um cyclists runners walkers we're all sharing that bike path do bikers need to yell something when you're coming up behind um people that are walking i'm glad you brought that up because we are we're working on a path etiquette campaign uh with the city of eugene and so we're looking at different signs and uh striping and some of our key messages are you know wheels yield to heels that you know people on bikes need to slow down and yield to people walking that um you need to uh, moderate your speed we're even looking at the potential of speed limits on the path um especially with the increase of e-bikes that are happening um so looking at you know what's the right speed limit for certain parts of the path and whether we'll implement something like that uh and then encouraging people to remember to stay to the right unless you're going to pass and you pass on the left. Um, so whether you're walking or biking, stay on the right side of the path. And when you're going to pass, you pass on the left, just like a normal roadway. Um, and we're actually starting to uh, install center line striping. So solid lines around curves and dashed lines throughout other portions. We just finished a paving project on the West Bank path um, where we installed striping along the whole section that we did. Um, and we're going to monitor that and sort of look at uh, how behavior help uh, improves and start to look at how we message to people about, you know, if you're riding a bike, uh, you know, you have to slow down for pedestrians and pass on the left. Um, we recommend a bell or if you do say um, passing on your left, say it far enough uh, back that they can hear <laughs> yeah. you. But then also that because sometimes when people hear passing on your left, they hear left. So they instinctively move left. Um, and so like, give them that, that little bit to figure out, like, what, what do I need to do? You know, sure just, like, you, move over to the right. Beware of the fact that you're going to do a dance for a second there, you right. know? Yeah, exactly. So Robin yeah. brings up a great point. What, explain the green bike boxes. Robin says most people don't know what those are. And I think Robin is right. What, what are those? Yeah. So we have a few of these in Eugene. And so a bike box is a, is a place where the bike lane, um, and a, and a car travel lane come up to an intersection and the, and the bike lane continues and the cars stop, step, stop a little back 
bit farther back. And it allows bikes to do two things. One, to get up front and be more visible because one of the uh, highest crashes that we see, the, the highest number of crashes we see are what we call right hooks. And so that's when, you know, a bike and a, and a car might be at an intersection at the same time. They get a green and the person driving um, might not see the, the person on the bike to their right and they just turn right. And so both the bike and the person in the car start to go at the same time and the car right hooks them. Um, so as a car driver, you're legally responsible to yield to the uh, lane next to you. And so the bike lane, you know, if there's someone in the bike lane, you're legally responsible to wait until the bike goes. Just like if there's a train track there, you'd have to wait before you cross the tracks, right? There's a, the bike lane is there and you have to wait and then the bike's clear. Well, this just gives the bikes that extra little bit of visibility up front so that they can get through the intersection and clear the intersection so that people can turn right. Um, and so they can gather up in that box if there's multiple people on bikes that they can gather up there and clear out faster and clear the intersections for people driving that much faster. Um, it also allows in some intersections that if they need to, if a person on a bike needs to make a left-hand turn or to get to a left side bike lane in some cases that they can do that at the intersection. So Shane, what about on the road, like out in the country? Like I'm a, I'm more of a cyclist and a bike downtown. I don't ride my bike in town. It scares me. Nope. <laughs> so I'm out on the road, which that scares other people too. But what right. are the rules there? Because a lot of us, when we go around a corner, I think motorists don't understand. Well, what I do is, and I don't know, you explain me if I'm doing something illegal. I'll come next to my wife so that people won't pass us on corners because otherwise, in, invariably, they'll pass us on a corner mm -hmm. and put us at great risk. So what is the rule? I'm a vehicle when I'm on the country road too, right? Right. Yep. And so the, the rule there is that um, people on bikes can, can ride side by side um, unless they are impeding the normal flow of traffic. And so that's, that's a place where it's, it's a little bit of a gray area because if you're riding solo, you could legally be in the middle of the lane because you need to ride as far right as is practicable. And that's not as possible, that's as is practicable. And so there are times where it is safer for a person on a bike to be in the middle of the lane to avoid hazards on the side of the road right. or to be more visible, right? And so like you said, if you're out farther on a curve, you're more visible longer than if you're on the inside of the curve, right? right. And so if you're already gonna be claiming that lane anyway to be more visible or to avoid hazards, then it's the same as if you're riding two abreast, right? That car has to pass into the other lane to make a pass anyway, and they shouldn't be doing that on a curve, right? Because cars are allowed to pass people on bikes even on a double yellow if it is safe to do so. And that's something that people don't always know and that they should know, especially out in the country that, you know, if you're passing a person on a bike, you should move over fully into the other lane to pass that person on a bike. Because if you're, per if you're moving halfway into the lane, then there's not room for another car who's oncoming anyway. So you might as well pull all the way over into that other lane. So just make sure it's clear uh, in that other lane, move over and make a safe pass, just like you would a tractor or any other slow moving vehicle that's on the roadway. I think what sometimes people don't understand that are not cyclists too is there's a lot of crap on the side of the road like glass and gravel. And so I've had people say to me, how come you're not on the side of the line or you're not all the way over there? And it's because it's gonna, it's not safe for me to be over there. And if you're not on a bike, you would never notice that, you know? 
And I, so that's something that's, you know, as I know this is a really touchy subject because people think that bikes are sometimes out to, you know, do whatever they want and this kind of thing. And then bicyclists sometimes think motorists are just flying by them. And yeah. that's why we have these little nice little, little, um, things on our license plates that say share the road. Right. Yeah. And I think that's a, that's a great question. I, I do want to go back to Harry's point really quick after I make uh, a comment on, on what we're saying. Um, um, oh, and I just lost it. Um, so which one? Oh, so here. what were we talking about? Yeah. So that one, but I want to come back to that after I finish the thought with the, what you were saying. And now okay. I can't remember what, what we were I'll talking leave, about. I'll leave it up for both of us. Okay. <laughs> so we remember. Great. Um, what was the piece we were just talking about though? <laughs> Um, um, when, when that's, that sometimes you can't go yeah. over to the side and you have to, we're all sharing the road together and, and just right. giving oh, yeah. each other a little yeah. grace. Yeah. That was the share the road piece is that, you know, we're actually moving away from the signs that say share the road because it, it, it shows a bike and then it says share the road. And so a lot of people who are driving are like, Hey, bikes, share the road, get out of my way so that you can share this space and I can go by you. Um, but that's not exactly the intended message. There's there are newer signs that we're using that say may use full lane. Um, and so it shows a bike and it says may use full lane. And that's a little bit more clear that there, you know, there are times where the bikes might, you know, people on bikes might actually take up the full lane for safety reasons. And, you know, in some places, you know, I think with most people who are riding out in the country that they want to be considerate and safe and they will move out of the way when it's safe to do so, you know, they want right. to get out of the way of, of the people driving. Yeah. Uh, right. You know, um, but uh, I think people driving might think, well, no, they're just in my way. Well, you know, they have to be safe out there too, right? And um, But um, just to get really quick to Harry's point about the striping on the paths, I'd love to hear more uh, of what um, he says if they feel too wide for a path. And I'm wondering if those are the ones that uh, on the West Bank path that we've seen. Because you know, we just and installed loves, those. Loves the fresh asphalt. Yeah. And then Josh says getting hit by a truck mirror sucks even with a helmet on. Ooh, yeah. 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 So the, the moral here is just, we, we all need to kind of get along and understand that, you know, people aren't doing this to irritate you, <laughs> you know, and, and, and there's, and there's signage and, and it's really easy to look up. I think I really appreciate you coming out here to explain some of that. Cause some of that I did not know, but it is, um, especially down in the university and that area, people really need to be, being careful, watching for people, and and watching the sign. I like what yeah. you said about sidewalks. If you're going to do the sidewalk, go with the traffic. Don't go yeah. the opposite way. Right. Yeah. And I think you know there there is a lot of education that still needs to happen, and and we're working to do that. Whether that's the you know in the schools through Safe Routes to School, we do a you know our Safe Routes to School programs do nine hours of bike safety education with kids, and they're reaching you know over a thousand kids every year. And so we're slowly working on, you know, generationally getting more kids knowledgeable about um, how to ride safely and uh, considerately and, you know, to be good road users that even if they aren't going to become uh, regular uh, people on bikes, that they'll, they'll be drivers and they'll understand the rules of the road for uh, for people on bikes and as, as car drivers. So um, I, I definitely recommend I put in the private checks. I don't think I can put in the comments. The Oregon Friendly Driver. Um, program um, is a great program for people who are uh, driving and want to learn a little bit more about um, some of the rules of the road that um, we teach in our bike safety education classes. And I also mentioned that May is Bike Month, and I want to encourage people to get out and go to webikelane.org. And there's a lot of great rides that people can try, uh, join different group rides that are, uh, you know, COVID uh, safe and 
um, different rides that people can do on their own, and including a some basic bike safety classes that we're going to be doing, uh, including a lunch and learn that I'm doing on a live stream event with uh, Karen Goodwin and LCI um, with the Greater Eugene Area Riders. All right. Shane Rhodes, thank you so much for what you do. And uh, be sure to put all those links in the comment section. Could you, as okay. you know, go to all yeah. those people. Great. All right, buddy. I'll do that. Thank you. All right. All right. Thank so you for your time. All right. Uh -huh. all right. We have a double header tonight. So we want to thank Shane Rhodes, obviously, from the city and um, obviously well trusted because the cycle community recommended him. Um, our next topic is um, we're going to go to all the way to Richland, Oregon. Uh, which is way, way out by halfway Oregon, which is way past Baker City in Baker County. And this is Sarah Artley. Hi, Sarah. Hello. How are you? Um, not too bad. Thanks. <laughs> it's been a busy day for you. So yes. <laughs> Sarah sent me an email. I know Sarah because my wife and I do a, a, a story, a series called PNW Backstories, and we visited Baker County several times. We've been with them twice, um, winter and summer, and riding horses and riding on tractors. Well, right after COVID struck, Sarah and her husband did the craziest thing. Tell them what you did. Yeah, uh, we quit where we were working, which was a, uh, you know, very safe location as far as from COVID's uh, standpoint, you know, um, but uh, it had good jobs and, and they were secure. And instead we left that and bought a cafe in tiny little Richland, which has all of 175 people in town. So, And so what has this been like with COVID for you guys over there, for your, for your little community? Um weird i think like everybody else um it's interesting you know in rural oregon here um for those first couple of weeks you know everybody was really on board with all of the restrictions and the rules and slow the you know flatten the curve and all of that but um since then everyone just wants to get back to normal you know they have ranches to run and businesses to run and and um so so for for people here, um, honestly, a lot of them are at their their breaking point, kind of like we are at this point. You know, um, we have such a, a dispersed community and such a low population that the continued restrictions on our rural counties are really kind of ridiculous and onerous in yeah. a lot of opinion. So tell them what broke the camel's back uh, this morning. You you went to the governor and everybody announced there's going to be this this grant program to help restaurants like yourself. And so tell them what happened. Yeah, well, to give a little bit of a background, because of when we opened, we have not been eligible for nearly any assistance of any kind. Um, PPP loans, most of the grants, we got one small grant from the county, um, but that's been it. So we were really excited to hear about the Restaurant Revitalization Fund, which they assured us everybody would be um, would be qualified for even if depend even if they hadn't opened yet you know so um we spent uh, most of last week and the weekend getting all of our documents together and everything in place and filling out the sample application and then um friday i called the small business administration and i said um the numbers don't look right to me I'm concerned about going through all of this. Um, is this going to be okay? And the person I talked to said, oh, yeah, don't worry about it. Um, that's just sample. And when you get in there, you know, from what you're telling me, everything will be fine. So this morning I paid someone to come in 
um, and work so that I would have time to submit exactly when we were told to, day one hour, one minute one, went through the, the application process, get to the end, and it told me we were not eligible for a grant because our expenses were not greater than our gross receipts. And um, it infuriated me because we basically are being penalized for not overextending um, our credit and for, I mean, we have not taken paychecks. Um, we're not paying ourselves. We have friends who've come in and worked for free to try to keep us viable. We have expenses we have not paid because the money was not in the account. And uh, so my expenses exactly match our gross receipts because every time I get money in, I pay a bill, whether it's past due or, or whatever it may be. And uh, so now they're telling me I'm not eligible for any of that grant money because I can't show that my expenses were greater than the risk. So because you did a good job and you, you tried to balance your budget, oh, there's something Salem could learn from a, a small business in uh, Richland, Oregon. Uh, you're being penalized um, for the whole thing. That is just Yep, we're penalized for working hard. So across, you have, a, and this isn't to call anybody, but you have a restaurant nearby that's also that's open. You stayed closed, but you're at this point now where you can't get this help. What what pushes you over the edge where you just say, I can't do this anymore and I have to open up the store? That's a really good question. We've had a lot of people ask us, um, you know, when are, when are you gonna get to that point? We've said there, there could come a point. Um, this may be the, the final straw, honestly. Um, we have a lot of support from our tiny little community. We have a lot of support from our county and from our city mayor and, and all of those things um, for, for pretty much whatever we choose to do. But for us, it's a ethical and moral issue. I told you earlier, we do not tie our decisions on whether to be open or not to our bottom line. We, we don't think you can make good ethical decisions that way. But there comes a point when you believe that what your government or um, whether it's federal or state, whoever it may be, that what they are doing is unethical and immoral and you do have to take a stand. And, and I think that we are just about to that point. Because if somebody comes to, to halfway in Richland, Oregon, I mean, there's, <laughs> there's nothing but God. Right. <laughs> you know, and land. So it's not like you guys, if you have COVID cases that are, need to be hospitalized, they go to Boise. Correct. So then you're being tied in with all these 319 or whatever hospitalized cases around Oregon. So you're being connected from Baker City, Baker County, all the way to Portland, the Willamette Valley. How does that, as somebody in the, how does that feel when you guys are, you know what I mean? Like, we feel, I'll tell you that the majority of the county, I would say, feel like um, we are being singled out for some reason. Why is Baker County the only Eastern Oregon County that is being put under these restrictions um, using science? We're told to trust the data, trust the science. The problem is how they are applying that data and that science. Um, you know, we're not given, they say that these are the CDC guidelines, but, but, um, OSHA is not, that's not the guidelines they're giving us and um, trust the numbers. But honestly, Baker County's COVID numbers have been misreported. Um, and, and I can't give you the hard percentages on this, but I can tell you the large 
number of the times that they reported data, it was misreported. And we were wrongly put into a higher category than we should have been in. And it feels deliberate in many ways, um, as if there's some something going on um, in our state government that is purposely um, trying to punish Baker County. That's how most of the residents here feel. Really? Because now just tonight, your mayor was on, uh, not your mayor, but the mayor of Baker City was on national news. Um, she's been on our radio station here, KPNW, this morning talking to Bill London um, about uh, their, their, their move that they're making to separate themselves from this and, and get everybody opened up again. And I'm sure that's, and that's not new. I mean, she had talked to me a couple months ago about that. So do people there feel like this is that, you know, they're, they're getting punished for, for not just for the mayor, but for this, um, the move in Baker County? Yeah. Um, you know, that's a really hard position for, for a lot of us. There's a lot of people who are very supportive of that and love that she did that. <coughs> Excuse me. But on the flip side, we also wonder if that's going to cause continuing problems for us, you know? Um, so, so I don't know how to feel about right. that. <laughs> no, no, that's a perfect answer. Cause I think there's a lot of people that are probably feeling that way. So do, do you guys, you know, we, we've, uh, we've had these people on and since I haven't talked to you for a while, I'm just going to hit everything in here. Why not? Um, this greater Oregon, this greater Idaho move um, for people to become part of Oregon or, or away from Oregon and become part of Idaho. What are, what are your neighbors? What are people in your area? And what are you thinking? <coughs> um, we've had a lot of discussions about that. It's interesting having a small cafe like this locally. We get to hear a lot of the, the yeah. scum that you might say around. And um, people are interested. It's an interesting concept is what we're hearing. A lot of people don't know if it's actually viable, um, you know, or good, but everybody wants to hear more. That's bottom line. Every single person says we want to hear more. We want to know if it's possible. We want to know what the ramifications would be, but bottom line right now they they love the idea of it um but people here are pretty pragmatic as well you know this is not a place where um people get i, I wouldn't i wouldn't say a lot of them are like dreamers that sort of thing they want to hear the facts they're pragmatic how is this going to directly affect me how is the, what are the steps to make it happen that sort of thing right they're not Overall, people that are going like to jump it. on a bandwagon just because right. it sounds good these are right. these are farmers these are business people who go we've lived in the rural areas too long we've heard too much um we we know that there's a lot of dreamers out there uh, we got to stop his yield law from the Oregon stop us. So there's a good connection between your two topics tonight. Oh, okay, good. All right, perfect, Shane. That's Shane talking to us about that other thing. So, um, so with this this grant that you are not going to be able to get, so you haven't had the PPP loans because you weren't in business long enough. You don't. You got a little grant from the county, but so you're kind of now, um, as of this morning, you're stuck, and. Yes. So you either continue to just sell out of your place to people that stop by and eat somewhere else or because you don't have any room to put outside seating, even though people think it's rural Oregon, but it's, you know. Right. Yeah. It's so we are in a really unusual position here. Our particular business has owns no outside property. Our lot basically goes from wall to wall. Uh, I, I do want to say um, up until Friday, we had zero options for outdoor dining. But um, our wonderful neighbors, the Eagle Valley Grange, I want to give a shout out to them. 
they stepped up and have given us the ability to put three tables on their property for for a month um so we have three tables there and then the city today also allowed us to put a couple small tables on the sidewalk so we were able to get a little bit of outside dining um just as of actually saturday morning and then today um but what we're already discovering is that is not a panacea for what's what's going on with us because what I'm finding is we actually have to have more staff to serve fewer customers when you have outdoor dining because it's so far away from our normal base of operations going outside and around the corner and over the gravel and you know what I mean and we are doing our best to continue to give people full service to try to keep that business um, here with us and so we really appreciate it um, that was a huge step for us but it's definitely not a cure-all for, for our current situation. Sarah, what is, as a rural Eastern Oregonian, and you're you're almost as far east as we can get. I mean, you're pretty darn you're pretty darn pretty, pretty darn close. What would your message be to um, to the governor? What would you ask her? What would I ask her? I would ask her why we are consistently being thrown in the same. Um, mix as the more heavily populated counties. There's no consideration given for um, the dispersal of our population, of our low number of cases. I understand that when you look at it, they keep rounding it up, you know, as as if there were 100,000 people in the county, because that's the lowest number that we're given to um, on the COVID metrics, you know. Um, How many people are there? How many people are there? In, in the Bay. whole county, I don't, I can't give you an exact number, but I believe it's less than 30,000. I know there's 9,000 in Baker. There's a strong 1,500 in these three valleys here. And then there's Sumter and a few other small areas. So we have a really small population, just like the rest of Eastern Oregon. So the metrics that are being applied here, just like the positive negative um, cases, it's ridiculous. The risk of infection here is so much reduced um, compared to anywhere else. It's not right that that the rural eastern Oregon counties are being lumped in with all of the higher populated counties as far as how they consider those metrics. So what would your message be to just western Oregon? Um, you know what, I think that's a hard one when you when you lump Western Oregon in because we have a lot of Western Oregonians come here to visit. They love it here. Um, they wish they you could do. live here. You know, um, they care. I I believe that they care about the area, but I yeah. don't believe that most Western Oregonians understand the area. And so I guess my message would be to to listen to the people who live here and try to understand those issues. Um, and not just, I, I think a lot of the people want to do what's right. They, you know, um, think that they have the answers based on their backgrounds, but their backgrounds do not coincide with the reality of life here. So just listen to you. Yeah. You're experts at where you live. <laughs> right. We don't come to Portland and tell you guys, you know, or Salem, we don't go in there and say, this is what you guys are doing wrong based on how we live. Um, we want to be able to live our rural lifestyles and, and um, based on our beliefs and our values and our ethics um, and not be forced to live them based on um, a different lifestyle that is, I mean, 
the way people live in those urban areas is so far removed from what we do that it's almost impossible to find that middle ground to understand each other. The language is different, you know, it, there's not a common ground there. And so I would love to see some way to bridge that. Jeff and I really consider ourselves bridge builders. We want to um, find ways to communicate with people. Um, you know, we like people, we care about people. And that's what we would like um, Western Oregon to do for us. Okay, real quick, I want to give you a little plug. So plug your little, plug your cafe. What's the name? What do you serve? And what do you do? Because, hey, we got people from here that are loving, want to get out. So they'll come to Richland, Oregon on the way to Halfway and on the way to Hell's Canyon. And you got to stop by the little Richland Cafe and see them. Yes. So Sarah's Richland Cafe, that's us. Um, we serve, uh, we have some of the best burgers around, breakfast burritos, biscuits and gravy, blow your mind. We do, we have a little gift store with local homemade gifts by some of our um, very talented ladies here locally. We have pastries. I have um, bistro type things to go like frozen homemade soups and, and casseroles and breads. And so uh, we do a ton of stuff. We have our espresso side of the business um, with all of your espresso and, and uh, drive-through type of drinks. And so um, they can get just about anything they want here. We do once a month an international dinner. So when they're in town, they can come to our international night and taste Spain or or grease or bath cooking, um, all sorts of stuff. We do so many things. It's, you know, anything uh, to keep people happy. <laughs> well, Sarah, thank you so much for getting a hold of me because I think it's really important that we hear what you guys are thinking over there as well. Thank and you. also, it's nice to see you. Would you give your husband a hug for me? I will do. Okay. Thank all right. So keep in touch. And if you, right. you know, remember, I'm always open to listening to you. We really right. appreciate well, it. Thank you so much, Rick. You're welcome, my dear. See ya. So there you go. Um, rural Oregon's talking and it's good for us to listen and hear what they have to say um, because this is all of our state. And I think Sarah made some awesome points about they don't come here and tell us how to live. So we probably should give them the same courtesy and uh, not probably, we should give them the same courtesy. And um, besides, when you go over there, you can, um, you can learn a lot about yourself uh, by hanging out that way. So there we go. Look at all this stuff you get tonight. Cobra Road Car Wash sponsors a show. You get bike safety. You find out how to ride on the road, how not to ride on the road. And then if you go over to Eastern Oregon, which I will tell you, that is a beautiful bike ride from Baker through Richland, down the hill and right into, there's nothing prettier in the world than when you come out of Richland and go down the hill and into halfway Oregon. It takes your breath away. And, uh, and then while you're there, you can go out to the cornucopia ghost town and you can look at all that kind of stuff. They used to run that place. Um, and there's, so there's all kinds of stuff you can do here. I'm going to look here. Yes. Some great riding East. Oh gosh, Shane, just some beautiful places out there. You guys, you need to get out and ride, um, all over Oregon. Cause we do have some of the most beautiful places to ride bikes anywhere. So if you guys would do me a favor, share this on your page, especially if you know people who ride their bikes, especially if you know commuters who ride their bikes. Um, and if you know folks who um, are business owners and are frustrated because they're applying for this same grant and they're getting turned down, let them know they're not alone. And, you know, maybe somebody could look into it and I mean, novel idea. Maybe we could fix it. <laughs> I know. There I go, stirring up trouble again. <laughs> oh, well. Um, tomorrow night. What do we got tomorrow night? 
Uh, Boy Scouts of America will be here tomorrow night. We're going to be talking to a bunch of kids. They're doing some really different kinds of things. And it's not just about boys. It's boys and girls um, participating in this. And if you have a kid at home and they're bored to tears, here's some real life skill things you can do. And they do it COVID safe, but they're going to be doing a lot more things like that. And then on Wednesday... Uh, we're going to be women's football. There's a women's football league in Eugene. A lot of them are police officers. And uh, they're going to be meeting over at Elements Health Club uh, in Springfield and showing us kind of what they do. And they'll be selling some memberships as a fundraiser drive to, to Elements Fitness. And then on Thursday, we got some controversy. We're going to talk about urban growth boundary. Uh, a lot of people talk about why housing is so expensive and why you can't purchase a home hardly for anything. Uh, it's because there's no land. It's because the city has not expanded the urban growth boundary in over 30 years. They're supposed to plan and have a plan in order. So we're going to have city councilor Mike Clark in here talking about what he's seen over the last 20 years or so. And that's going to be sponsored by Parker Heights Realty. So we got a busy week this week. Um, I will see you tomorrow night, five o'clock. Uh, again, share this on your page because Facebook doesn't. <laughs> I pay them, but they don't share it unless I do. So if you guys could do that, I'd really appreciate it. Have a good night. See you guys later.